Hi there. Welcome to episode number 12 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name is Anne Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. We've got a great uh, conversation ahead of us about doing things that make you want to vomit, which I think is hilarious on one hand, and on the other hand, so applicable to so much of the work that we do. Uh, And so we're going to talk through how to do that, why it's important, and some tips to make it a little bit easier uh, for you down the road. So before we dive in, I do want to make mention of the fact that yesterday was International Day of the Midwife, uh, May 5th. That's where we celebrate midwives all over the world for the work that they do and the contributions that they make to women, children, and families. And so if you are a midwife, I just want to stop and say thank you for the work that you do as a midwife. And thank you for your contributions to make women's care and women's health uh, so much better for not only for patients, but for families and for communities. I do think that's what happens when we have more midwives available for care. Communities improve. So thank you to all the midwives out there. Uh, and uh, and then, you know, today is the start of Nurses Week, which is a wonderful week. In spring, I usually look forward to this because I think it's a great reminder of uh, all of the ways in which most of us have Uh, contributed so much value to the profession. And I love that we don't have just a single day. We have a whole damn week, which, hell, I think maybe we should have a damn month. What do you think? Uh, But if you are a nurse, I also want to say thank you. And thank you for the contributions that you have made, whether as an RN or as an advanced practice nurse, an NP, a CRNA, a CNS, a nurse educator. Uh, Thank you so much for what you have done over this pandemic, before the pandemic, what you will continue to do and how you will show up down the road. Uh, Nurses are such a foundational element of our communities and the health of our communities and the wellness of our communities. And so um, I just wanna stop and say thank you so much um, for showing up and for agreeing to do work that most people would never ever in their lives ever agree to doing. Uh, you know, cleaning up poop and cleaning up vomit and emesis basins and foleys and, you know, all the fun stuff about nursing. But um, I just thank you, prior auths and, you know, all of the things. So thank you. Thank you for all of your contributions. I see you. I honor you. I respect you. And I hope to support you now and down the road. One final mention here is that Usually, International Day of the Midwife is followed by uh, Nurses Week. And then right smack in the middle of all that is very often Mother's Day. And uh, and for all of our mothers out there who are also nurses and in healthcare, I also want to say thank you for being a mom in a pandemic. Thank you for um, the things that you do to make your families better off. Thank you for juggling school schedules and uh, whether or not you have enough toilet paper and whether or not you have enough milk in the fridge. And thank you for reading all of the emails that come out from your school, despite the fact that you may get multiple ones every week. Thank you for volunteering. Thank you for not volunteering. Let's have a shout out for all of the moms who are like, I kind of want to volunteer, but sometimes I don't. Girl, I get you. I see you. I am you. So you're in good company, <laughs> which is good. Um I, I want to say, though, too, Mother's Day, I think, comes with uh, very often, you know, the 50-50 of life. And uh, some people look at Mother's Day, and it's a, a, a really tough 
day for them. It's a tough because it's filled with grief and sadness and loneliness and disappointment or discouragement. And for those people who have lost moms and who were mothers at one time and then they weren't by miscarriage or other ways, uh, loss of children, I just, I also see you and, um, and I want you to know that I hold space in my heart for you uh, on Mother's Day uh, and for all moms and all of the emotions that come with it. Uh, and uh, I, I see you. So thank you for being a mom. So we're going to talk today about things that make you want to vomit because this week I did a couple things that made me want to vomit. And it was a really very potent reminder of why it's important to engage in those things. And just to start off, I'll tell you just one quick story of the last time I did something that made me want to vomit. And I was, I'll never forget, I had been invited to a bar class by my past uh, boss and our director of midwifery. She was a, she still is, I think, a huge uh, fan of bar. And I thought, you know, whatever, it's ballet or something, right? Like, can't be that hard. So, and it was a, I think, class where a portion of the proceeds uh, was going to a good fund in the Cleveland area. And so I was agreeable to do it, signed up. And my usual pre-pandemic was a yoga class that I used to go to every Saturday and Sunday from 8.15 to 9.15. And uh, so I went to my usual yoga class and then I met up with her for a bar class thereafter thinking, you know, why not? Like, sure, I could do both. And um, so I did, and I was in the middle of that bar class, and my thigh was shaking. If you've ever done a bar class, you will understand this, and you will know exactly what I'm talking about, which is that I was standing there doing some sort of a plie, and my thighs were visibly shaking. I mean, visibly that I I caught it out of the corner of my eye, looked at my thigh, and thought, Holy shit! What is going on with my thighs? Why are they moving like that? And it was fr- it was like this frantic energy in my thighs. Of, they were just shaking terribly. And I remember in that moment thinking, "Oh my god, I'm gonna vomit. This is so hard." And I had not anticipated that clearly, right? If I anticipated bar was going to be hard, I probably would have not gone to yoga the hour before that. I uh, probably would have had something to eat or you know prepared myself for something physically uh, challenging. And I, I, I thought I was going to vomit so badly. I had to stop the class. And I thought after that, I'll never go back to bar, number one. And I'm okay with that. Number two that was really, really challenging. And how terrible. And then after that, I remember thinking, all right, well, I know now what bar is, and I know that I could do it, and it's really hard, and that my thighs sometimes get maxed out in terms of how much they get worked. And when they do, they shake. And is that a bad thing? Well, no, not necessarily, actually. It's probably a good thing in terms of muscle development and use of muscles, right? They're getting so fatigued that they're literally shaking and quivering because they are being used to the max. And um, and so this week I had a very uh, uh, familiar reminder of how it feels to want to vomit when you do something after getting up in front of some women here at a local networking group and delivering a presentation about burnout 
moral injury and uh, and toxic workplace and how to heal amidst all of that. And it's a, a conversation that I have with clients on a day-to-day basis. It is a a presentation that I've given locally, regionally, nationally, and it's always uh, received very well. We always have a very good conversation with it. And after having done it, maybe at this point, oh, I don't know, maybe eight, 10, 12 times, one would think that I might be at a point of being comfortable with it, right? And, uh, and, and to a degree I am, I'm certainly much more confident and comfortable getting up in front of people than I have ever been and I still want to vomit. <laughs> so um, so this week I was reminded of that because I was sitting there waiting to be introduced and I was very calm. And, you know, it's like when you're sweating a little bit, but it's not a terrible sweat. You like don't have sweat pulling on top of your lip, but you have like a little bit of sweat under your pits. That was me sitting there thinking, I wish I had not worn the natural deodorant today and wish I had put on the strong shit because this natural shit just doesn't cut it sometimes. And uh, while I was sitting there thinking that, listening and waiting to come up to start my presentation, I got this sense of, oh boy, here we go. And I got up there and my voice was quivering and I, I was probably had a mild shake going on. And, 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 and this is kind of normally what happens. And I, I do my best to manage my mind and to reframe and to be allow my uh, heart to race and my excitement to build. And, uh, and that's a practice that I have gotten so much better at doing over the years. And I also struggle with it too, right? It also feels very scary. It feels like this is terrible and you should just run for the door. So I started off my presentation by saying, you know, I want you to know that I do feel like I'm going to vomit and I'm standing up here and I think that's pretty normal. So thanks for bearing with me. And they all kind of looked at me and they smiled and one said, no problem, you know, go get it. And I was like, all right, I'm in good presence, uh, good company. And I, and then I got onto my slides and by the end of it, I was answering my questions very comfortably and uh, felt you know very much at ease. So after that, I got into the car and was sitting there and thinking about doing things that are hard. And public speaking, I think for many of us is something that we aren't necessarily taught you know, in nursing school and uh, we certainly aren't taught it in our master's programs. And though as clinicians and researchers, which I think we all are to some extent, despite not having PhDs, we are researchers by nature who use the scientific method often in our practice. And we are not necessarily taught how to present ourselves in public and how to manage our minds and how to show up. And I think we also have, many of us have imposter syndrome in the background running and many thoughts that contribute to that. Like, do you really think you know what you're talking about? And do you really think that they care? They're just going to fall asleep, right? A lot of that chatter in the background. Now, a couple of years ago, when I first started to do Grand Rounds presentations or get up in front of my department, that was something that was very challenging for me. I mean, so much so that I think I, in one of my professional leadership courses, I think I had to uh, film a version of me giving a presentation, which promptly resulted in me literally breaking down in tears and going like to the bathroom to cry because it was so challenging for me and I was so insecure and felt so inadequate standing up and talking. 
And um, and look, yesterday or this week when I got up and did my presentation, it was a far cry from that. I mean, I've come a long way and uh, and really progressed and being very comfortable again and, and working on uh, skills of confidence and uh, and comfort with being out there and being authentic and, and sharing my brownies, so to speak, or the work that I do with the world. But what I think is so interesting is that feeling of wanting to vomit because it's hard. And I think very often we look at wanting to vomit because it's hard and we think, well, oh, that sounds terrible. We probably shouldn't do that, right? Because like, why would I ever go into a situation where I would want to vomit? And what I would love to offer to you is the idea that Putting yourself in the face of doing things that make you wildly uncomfortable and that make you want to physically vomit is one of the best ways to get over your fear, to become a new version of yourself, and to blow your own mind. And I know that it becomes scary and there's a lot of fear and anxiety and worry around being the person who can tolerate the discomfort, right? Every time I'm asked for a speaking engagement, I have this little brain drama game that I do. I initially say yes because uh, I'm an achiever and of course I'm going to say yes to the challenge of speaking. And then immediately after I say yes, my brain offers me all sorts of thoughts about why this may not be a good idea and why I may not be the best person for that role. And the best part about where I am now in life is that I can very comfortably look at that and say, oh, right, of course, my brain will offer me all of this fodder. Of course, my brain declines to go and do things that willingly may make her vomit. Of course, I am worried about being able to tolerate the discomfort. Of course, that's happening based on the biology and the setup of my brain. Nothing's gone wrong here. And I get to choose whether or not I'm going to put myself in the midst of doing things that are hard and that ultimately create the results that I desire, right? Because here's the thing, when you start to focus on things that make you vomit, what happens inevitably is that you may also lose sight of the benefit of what's at the other end of that, right? What happens when I put myself out in a public speaking forum and I do that time and time and time again? Well, for most of us, if we're looking or have any sense of growth, we tend to then become the people who can do public speaking, and it's not a problem for us, right? And how do we know that? Well, all the people who really hated public speaking would have opted out at that time. They, wouldn't con- they would not continue to agree to the uh, circumstance of speaking if they knew that they couldn't tolerate the discomfort or that it wasn't worth it, right? And so... If you can become the person who not only does the things that are hard and goes for the vomit-inducing panic, and you can also focus your sights on the results that are possible for you if you were to commit to doing that level of action, massive action in your life, can you imagine what's possible? And is it worth it, right? If you want to become a nurse who lives the good life, I think you're going to have to go through a handful of vomit-inducing moments, right? And there's some psychology to this, and I think in terms of the brain, we know enough about 
the pain pleasure balance and we know enough about how the brain tends to seek out more pleasurable, rewarding states, which is why we are literally uh, so glued to our uh, mobile phones and to our smartphones that we can hardly put them down and why we then engage in doomsday scrolling and all of a sudden we're down the rabbit hole of the family that has the cat that lost a leg and lost an eye and now they need a donation to the rescue fund, right? I mean, it's like, it's not surprising that based on the setup of the brain, how we end up avoiding and desiring to avoid the things that make us vomit. It's totally normal. And I also want to offer that it may also be the absolutely positively most important ingredient in whether or not you experience success in your life. What if the degree of success that's available to you is proportional to the amount of vomit-inducing events that you are willing to tolerate? I mean, isn't that wild to think of? What if discomfort is the currency of your growth? And what if you were to look at your opportunities that are in front of you and to know that the only way that you will get there is to embrace the discomfort? Not to avoid it, not to react to it, not to make it uh, mean anything about you, not to land you, you know, under your covers, pulling them up over your head and crying like a baby. What if the only way to get better at public speaking was getting up in front of people and taking the massive action required to become the speaker? And I think that there's some opportunity there. There's some freedom too. Like, oh yeah, okay, so at the end of the day, here's what my choices are. If I want to become the public speaker and I'm going to go through the discomfort and I'm going to have discomfort if I'm under the covers worried about the discomfort or if I'm out there in front of people speaking publicly, then what's better in the long run, right? Where's the payoff? Well, if I spend my time under the covers, I don't become the person, I I certainly worry, but I don't become the person who can speak comfortably in a public setting. But shit, if I get up in front of the people and I do the speaking and I feel the worry and the anxiety and all those feelings and all of that discomfort, well, hell, at least at the end of it, I will be the person who is on her way to becoming more confident and comfortable in a public speaking situation. And look, if you look at it from that perspective, like, yeah, of course, Of course, we should do things that make us want to vomit, because why not? Otherwise, we're just sitting under the covers, eating bonbons and watching Netflix. And like that only gets you a result that, you know, you might not like at the end of the day, which is needing to buy new pants at Target because you can't fit into your old ones, right? Like, like that's what's at the end of this. So I think my take-home point here is consider the times in your life when you've had to do challenging things and hard things and consider what gusto it took in order to do them. Because don't forget, you did complete a you know nursing education program times two if you went for a bachelor's and master's. And some of you high achievers went for a damn DNP uh, and, I, and PhDs and all of the things and MBAs and right? Like you've done some hard things. And there were probably some times in your program when you made a mistake or when it felt really scary and big and you literally were like, I'm never coming back. And you were so sick to your stomach about the whole event that you thought, I'm done. I'm never, ever stepping foot back on that unit ever again. I've had a handful of those moments. 
And you did. If you didn't, you wouldn't be listening. Because that's who you are. You're the person who keeps going. So if we can look back and just say, oh, all right. So maybe it just takes the vomit-inducing moments to get to where I want to be. And my job is not necessarily to avoid them. It's only to make sure that I show myself compassion along the way. That as I become the better, the version, not the better, but the version of myself who can speak comfortably or more comfortably as a public speaker, then, and it's going to take some discomfort and I'm going to want to vomit, then maybe my work is just to allow that feeling to be there, to give myself some compassion and comfort when I can along the way, to remind myself of all the hard things that I've done and to keep going. And to know that when I cross the finish line and when I give a presentation and it rolls off my fucking lips and I own that room like the absolute queen that I am, oh God, is it going to feel good, right? That's the payoff. That's why we do things that make us vomit. If you are an advanced practice nurse and you are like, "Ah, I sometimes get stuck and I sometimes find that I want to be the person who's doing the public speaking, or I want to be the person who's creating the course and teaching the people about something that's important. And sometimes I get stuck and I just end up in my bed eating bonbons and Netflix saying, I get it. You're in good company. (laughs) Okay. And I also want to invite you to come over and join us in Women Who Cultivate so that you can begin to outsmart your brain when it offers you some of these thoughts and when it feels really hard and heavy. Uh, because that's exactly what this program is designed to do. So if you have questions, you know how to reach out. You can find more information at www.annconkleycnm.com and go do something that makes you feel highly uncomfortable, okay? Try it and just see how it goes. Let me know. All right, I will see you next time. Take care.